thank you so much. Another plug for beach baptism. If you want to see Drew and Mike in a bathing suit, now's your chance. <laughs> it's not winter yet. Still in summer shape. Well, hello. <laughs> wow, you guys understood that. Yeah, it's still in summer shape. Here we go. Well, it's so good to be with you guys again. I, I love um, and I'm so grateful to get this opportunity to bring God's word to you this morning. And I think there's going to be some good stuff for us. So if you've been with us the last few weeks, then you know that we've been through the series. We, we started the series of Acts, Acts of the Apostles. We're going to just take a closer look at this early church. What were they about? And how does this apply to us today as believers in Los Angeles? And um, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word community, I feel like it's kind of, Christian community in particular, I feel like it's kind of hard to define sometimes. It's a little bit vague. It's like hard to grasp. Um, I don't know, when you hear Christian community, like do you usually think, sounds like fun? (laughs) Probably not, right? Oh, I'm going to this Christian community dinner. Like we need to just amp the fun part up a little bit. I think for many of us today, Christian community also kind of falls along the lines of like authentic community or intentional community. And it can become white noise to us, like kind of a trendy thing. And now it's mindfulness. That's like our big thing now. We move on to the next thing. Well, I think the early church of Acts 2 has something really fresh for us today. If you'll turn with me into your pew Bible, page 886, We're going to learn a little bit about what they were all about, how they approached community as the early church. Page 886 in your pew Bible, Acts 2, 42 through 47. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods, and they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This, my friends, is the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God, because this sounds pretty amazing, doesn't it? Now, what's going on here, okay? So a little recap from the last few weeks. We have after rising from the dead, Jesus is hanging with his believers for 40 days, and then he ascends to the Father. And he leaves a group of believers, about 120 people, and they're told to wait for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does come at Pentecost. And we see these believers begin to speak in tongues, and they're astonished. People are astonished by this. And then Peter delivers this powerful sermon. And I love verse 37. We didn't read it, but verse 37 says, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart from Peter's sermon. And and they were like, what should we do next? And Peter's like, you're going to be baptized. And so they are. These 3,000 people are baptized, and they're this fresh group of new believers. And that brings us to the description we just read of what common life was like for the Acts 2 church. So my hope for us today is to explore a few key words in this passage 
and how we might be able to experience the uncommon supernatural work of God as we shift our perspective of what community should look like. Turn with me back to verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, many of us immediately just look at that as a task list. Like, yep, okay, prayers, okay, getting together, some teaching. But before we get there, I want us to look at the word devoted. Devoted. Now, I don't know about you, but my initial reaction to the word devoted is a little bit more tied to, like, blind love, like, you know, the song from Greece, like, hopelessly devoted to you. Just this, like, blind kind of, like, yes. However, it's used here, and it actually means more like to endure, to persevere, to hold fast to. So this gives us a sense that this was not some moment of fleeting spiritual intensity that they were experiencing, that it was certainly not easy and that it was not without effort. So think about it like this. Together, they were persistently sticking with it, intentionally committed, continually drawing near to God and to each other. Does that describe any element of your life? What are we devoted to today? What are we committed to? If someone were to look at your personal screen time report from your smartphone, your online activity for the week, like even at your computer at home, what would it say you're devoted to? Do you get those reports sometimes? First of all, I remember getting it and I thought, I didn't sign up for this, first of all. Okay, and then second, that is not correct. (laughs) That cannot be right. And true confession, I am still addicted to Pinterest, and if anybody, anybody were to look at my pins recently, they'd probably say like, oh, she's really devoted to Thomas Merton quotes and how to make fun holiday cocktails and how to speak French like a true Parisian. Je ne sais pas, je veux un café, la valise dans le bureau. My dad actually taught me that. <laughs> what about our calendars? How many times this last week have you looked at your fall calendar and you've thought, what have I done? <laughs> the simple truth is that we make time for things that are a priority to us. And many of the things that we do are good priorities to have. But I want us to take a closer look. What are we saying yes to? Is going deeper in Christian community important to you? Is eating and praying together, learning and having fun? Yes, I said fun. Christians can have fun with your brothers and sisters. Is that important to you? Worthy of your devotion? The cool thing is many of you in this room would actually say, yes, as a matter of fact, it is. And you could get up here and you could give us a testimony about how powerful a community has been for you. To be in a life group for two, five, 10, 20, even 30 years. You could actually... Describe to us and give testimony to what it means to endure through the ups and downs of life. You could give us a good argument about how powerful it can be to persevere and stay. JT, where are you at? What up, dude? We love the word stay, don't we? Stay. Doesn't it sound good? In my office, I have a little sign that says, you are among friends. Stay. And that is a message for you today. You are among friends. Stay. 
but some of us have yet to fully commit to community here. And I'm not talking about just church on Sundays, because that's powerful, and I'm really glad you're here. I'm talking about devotion to community outside of Sunday morning. Maybe it's like a new relationship, you know? You're not 100% sure, they're not as cool or as perfect as you would hope, so you're thinking about ghosting them. Or maybe we just, being a little cautious, you've been burned in the past, you don't want to dive in again, afraid of getting hurt. Or maybe you don't feel like you belong. Or you want to hide. Or you want to remain anonymous. Or, like I've heard from so many of you, and myself included, I'm just too busy. So we keep putting it off into the future. But hear me, the thing about the future in this way is it never really becomes the present, does it? It never becomes today. It keeps eluding us, always beyond our grasp. And so we are never ready. And the months and the years go by, and we still aren't known, and we still aren't transformed, and we aren't satisfied, which leads us to seek out artificial and sometimes destructive ways to numb and quiet the deep and relentless need to connect with each other the way we were designed to, the way God intended for us to connect. Does this sound familiar? If we are going to put off devoting ourselves to community for some day when it's more convenient, when we have more time, when we have more energy, that day will never come. We often view this type of life together, community, as optional, placing it out there in the peripheral of a long list of things to do in the section of our life that is Christian. But this morning, I'm challenging us to shift our perspective to devote to this community on Sunday and on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday and on on Sunday again. Are you with me, church? Devotion to these communal practices are essential and they're vital and we need to reprioritize their importance for us today. Because learning alongside each other, spending time in fellowship, sharing meals, praying, doing this type of life together, this is how we change. This is how we grow. This is how we transform to be more like Jesus. Why is it that we as Christians sometimes feel like we want to see the change without putting in some work? Now, you wouldn't expect to see a whole lot of change if you hit the gym once a month, right? And I understand the spiritual life is a little bit different than our physical life, yet we have the Holy Spirit to come alongside us, who draws us in, convicts us of our sin, empowers us to live godly life. Yet nowhere in Scripture does the Holy Spirit just zap somebody into be this zombie follower for Jesus. This is the process called sanctification. We're working out our faith, gaining knowledge, gaining wisdom, together, more and more like Jesus. Now, we will never arrive, but when we devote ourselves to these practices in community, we will grow. And remember, like Drew's sermon last week, I just love this, we're in partnership with the Holy Spirit. This isn't a solely humanistic effort. This is in partnership with the one who comes alongside and calls out What a beautiful description of the advocate of the Holy Spirit. So we see this devotion unite this community. All who believed, verse 44, 
all who believed were together and had all things in common. All who believed. Luke highlights this identifying characteristic in the community. These were believers, Christ followers. This was not the PTA, the YMCA, the Jonathan Club, or Urban Sports LA. This was a devoted Christian community. And they had all things in common. All things in common. Show of hands, who likes cars? Okay, who likes vintage cars? Who likes the 1998 Honda Prelude? Oh, Mike Morgan, do you have a friend who, anybody? Oh, that dude, awesome. Your new best friend. Who likes music? Most of you, yeah. Who likes musical theater? Who likes the musical, The Sound of Music? We just created a life group. So come up to me afterwards, because we're going to sing High on the Hill was a Lonely Goater. Um, oh my gosh. Who wants to get up here and sing a thing? Okay, we'll do it. Worship extended. Yeah. <laughs> this term, okay, we connect with people over our common loves, don't we? We love the beach, Mexican food, running 100 miles. Like, I don't know what that's about. Some people love that. <laughs> and you connect with people who run 100 miles. Aerial yoga, someone was telling me, these people were connecting over the common love, the love of Christ. This term, all things in common, was often used in Greek philosophy, indicating a deep and mutual friendship. And this is important to note because the fellowship of believers that Peter was actually talking to, ministering to, they were from all over the place, if you recall. All over the place came to Jerusalem. So they, they represented different cultures, different economic backgrounds. And so we see the Holy Spirit as this transforming presence of unity. Now consider the, the differences within our own church. We are on all ends of the spectrum, politically, economically, culturally, and we're not called to simply tolerate each other's differences or simply to just get along. We're called to have all things in common, to seek a deep friendship with, to appreciate and value one another, to have genuine concern. This all things in common was about something different, about something bigger, about something beyond just you and me. This was about the profound and unifying power of Christ at the heart of we. This Acts 2 community started to change. They started to act, hence the word acts, a lot like Jesus. They began caring for each other in sacrificial ways. They had genuine concern and goodwill for everyone in the community. And this was more about a shared belief system or shared values, okay? This was a profound concern for one another's well-being. And that was followed up with uncommon action. One of my first memories of the church reminds me of this type of uncommon action. And in fact, the tragic and sudden death recently of Sarah Powers in our own community brought to surface a similar and profound loss in my own life. When I was a child, my father, my father actually died suddenly. And I remember that it was the church, my church family, that rallied around us, that they showed up with food, and love, and tears, and they kept showing up. 
And I remember being surrounded and embraced by so many amazing people. And there were women from my community who came alongside my mother. And there was this one in particular friend, uh, her name was Karen, who really showed up in incredible ways. My mom's name is Paula. And the weeks after that my father had died, my mom found herself sort of holed up in her room. Curtains drawn, just this dark place, not wanting to leave. And she later told me, as an adult, she told me that she would go to bed and just pray that God would just take her in her sleep during that time. And during that time, a dear friend of hers, Karen, would come over and gently and lovingly nudge my mom. And she would nudge her in these ways, compassionately. Paula, will you just step outside with me? Let's just take one step outside. And then a few days of that, weeks go by. Paula, will you just take a few steps down the, down the road with me on the sidewalk? Let's just walk just for a minute. And then it was around the block. And it was step by step, day by day, this gentle and loving guidance from a friend. Karen literally and figuratively helped my mom get out of a dark place and into the light and the hope of Jesus. This thing that Karen did with my mom was profound and it was uncommon because they had practiced all these things together. They'd ate, they'd ate meals together, they had prayed together, they had worshiped together. And so when tragedy struck, Karen was able to meet my mom in these deep and intimate ways. And had she not done that, she would not have been able to minister in the ways that she needed because they had all things in common. Friends, these simple practices in community can drastically alter the concerns of our hearts and the focus of our actions. When we gather often in these ways, when our lives are interwoven around teaching and prayer and meals and having fun, we become unified in our identity and purpose and have the same focus, all things in common. Love and generosity pour out of us. These practices turned into uncommon action. Verse 45, they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Stop. We read this and we move on really quickly, right? We're like, that sounds uncomfortable, I'm not going to do that. And you know what, here's the thing, for the first century, this was not normal for them either. This was crazy. And it's crazy for us today. It's convicting. Is this our attitude towards each other? Do we look out for each other in this way that we would do any type of sacrifice with our finances? Verse 46 says, day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home. Stop. Spent much time hanging out, eating, singing, praying, doing it again. Sounds pretty good, huh? Time. Much of it. I was thinking about this. What would constitute a lot of time in the first century for Luke to write, that was a lot of time? Because dinners back then were not two-hour dinners. This was like half a day at John's house. And I would guess that they really got to know each other through this process. They learned each other's stories, struggles, celebrations, who did and did not like Martha's roast lamb. The point here is authenticity. These people really got to know each other. Do we really 
know each other in this room? Do we want to really know each other? I have a theory. It's a proven theory. I think that sometimes we make plans and we have great intentions. You know, we're excited. We have genuine interest in hanging out with some new people. And then when that day actually arrives, we're like, I hope they cancel. I just want to stay home. You know, because like, it's not fun. It's a little bit exhausting going somewhere when you can't really be yourself yet and you don't really know them and they don't really know you and you have to like do this thing called effort. And that takes time and energy and it takes work on the front end and relationships, doesn't it? Who has time or energy for that? We want to be known and comfortable with people, but we don't devote the time or the energy. But the problem is, we cannot microwave authentic community. And it takes risk. You're putting yourself out there. Risk in a few ways. Risk and even getting sick. I don't know if it's just me, but if you have young kids, how many times have your kids gotten like a fever when you're supposed to hang out with somebody? Do you know how many times this has happened to me recently? The Dion's, the Shania's, the Puckets. We've been like, oh, Elsie has a fever, yeah, oh, okay. And Mike and I kind of do this dance, we're like, ooh, should we, I don't know, do we risk it? And we usually are like, no, we don't risk it. Because then we'll be exhausted, we're already exhausted and so busy. But I was wondering, what, what would happen if we did it anyway? If we were just like, God, please protect them and bless them, and we're just going to risk this community. Because it's worth it and we're devoted to it, and it can be life-changing if we do. There are forces that want to keep us apart, church, because God can do amazing things when we connect in deep and meaningful ways. And a word about meals. Maybe some of you are like, okay, enough with the food. If you've been at this church for five seconds, you probably know that we love talking about food. Drew loves food. We want, we want to be foodies. Like in our cafe, we have Matthew eleven nineteen. 19, the son of man came eating and drinking, and so should we. That's our feeling. We should. It's so fun, right? Who doesn't want to go eating and drinking and hanging out with friends? This is what Jesus did. <laughs> it's so simple. He broke bread with people. He gathered around the table because there's something so powerful about the table. It's this great equalizer. Doesn't matter where you come from, where you've been, what your name is, what your education is, we all have this same hunger, literal and figuratively. I've got a need and you've got a need. There's something so simple and powerful about sharing a meal, especially in a home. Do you agree? And they had glad and generous hearts. They had glad and generous hearts, verse 46, when they were doing this. When was the last time somebody asked you how your heart was and you said, glad and generous? <laughs> glad and generous. Uh, yeah, more like anxious and envious or lonely and lustful or restless and resentful, weary and worried. Glad and generous. We often don't even consider the state of our hearts, you know, unless somebody really asks us and like soaks in. I'm a, I love asking this question and just really just like looking at the person in the eye. It's powerful. When someone asks you and you consider it, how is my heart? 
How is your heart, your soul this morning? What's going on in there? They were glad and generous. As they were meeting the needs in sacrificial ways. And because of this, people around were like, I want in on that. Yeah, sign me up. Verse 47, the Lord added to their numbers day by day. Added to their numbers day by day. Are we looking at how we're relating to each other and treating each other? Are other people noticing and wanting in on that? This takes our devotion. This takes our energy. And some of us, I know, I know, are running low. But we don't do it alone. We have Christian community. We have the Holy Spirit. And that is life-giving. You and I were designed by our Creator with a deep and never-ending need to connect in deep and authentic ways. Because that is the primary way in which we have accountability, care, belonging, and transformation. I want to touch briefly on one word before we wrap up. We're going to hop back up to verse 43. Awe came upon everyone. Awe came upon everyone. I have to tell you personally, I was going over this passage with Mike last week, just kind of looking at it casually, pulling some things. I just love this text. So many good, so many good things in it. And then I got to this, this line and this word. And it was like this involuntary bubble of emotion came up. And I was like, I got to pay attention to that. My eyes welled with tears. And I kind of whispered, we've lost our awe. We get so focused on our lives and the busy and the to-do and all this stuff. And we show up on Sundays, you know, and you guys are feeling this. The last few months, there's something happening here. We'll be in worship together, and you have these moments of like, whoa, there's something bigger going on here. There's something beyond me. Are you catching the vision? Are you catching the vision of God, what God wants to do in and through this church? Because there's a sense of something more and something bigger. And so the question is, will we be a part of it? Will you say yes to life together? Let's do this. Pray with me. God, as you were establishing your church, you were also laying the foundation for a life together for your people. So may we have the courage to say yes to community. And may we have the strength to show up and to keep showing up. Holy Spirit, would you come alongside when we are weary? Would you renew our spirits with energy and joy? Would you call out each of our names today as a people who belong and as a people who are loved? God, may we not forget your limitless, relentless, and all-consuming love. May we bask in awe at the glory and the wonder and the mystery of who you are. God, I pray that you would move in and through us today and tomorrow 
and forevermore. We ask this in your son's holy name, Jesus. Amen.